last week, last week we talked about expectations, and I told you how uh, the theme that I want to focus on throughout the book of Luke um, is expectations in some way, shape, or form. Uh, the first couple of times that we talked through Luke through the Christmas and Advent months, expectations were brought up a lot without meaning to. Um, I'm going to mean to bring it up every week that I speak uh, because I think it's important for us to understand where we stand and our expectation of what a life with Christ looks like. And so uh, that's what we talked about last week of expectation of, of who Jesus is versus truth of who Jesus is. And then this week, what I want to talk about is the expectation of the call to follow Jesus. And so what I want you to do uh, for, for 30 seconds, because I remember doing this as a kid, is whenever I would go to church, I always tried to think of what the message was going to be about. I tried to outgame the pastor. And there was an expectation. If we were going through a series, that made it really fun, because I knew what it was going to be about. And so I wanted to, to try and outsmart the guy. And so I want you to take 30 seconds. You know that we're reading through Luke. You know that we're going through Luke 5. I want you to just think of what your expectation of today's message is going to be for 30 seconds. It could be you think it's going to be a terrible message. You can write down how many times you think I'm going to say the word expectations. Okay. So... An, accept, uh, an expectation is a preconceived idea or notion of how something is going to play out. One of my favorite scenes in any movie comes from a movie that I dislike very highly, Harry Potter. So in Harry Potter, Harry gets told he's a special, special guy, and he needs to go to a certain wall in a certain train station, and he just gets to run right through it. And so naturally, he goes to the certain wall, the certain train station, and he has a buggy full of luggage, and he hightails it right into a wall and crashes. He doesn't make it through. And that's interesting because his expectation was that he was given the right to go through this wall, and yet he crashed. And the crash is really funny to watch. And so sometimes that's what happens with us when we have the expectation of what following Jesus looks like. We know the end goal. We know the end goal of following Jesus is heaven. We know the end goal of following Jesus is we'll make it through the gates and be able to spend eternity with God. The process of getting there, however, is where we get tripped up by our own expectations. And we crash into the wall. And so that's what we're going to look at today when Jesus goes and calls the first couple disciples. And so I'm really bad at moving the slides along with talking. I need to set them up on a, a timer. Can we click back over to the slides? Because it's not working. I'm going to just set them on a timer, and I'm going to have to match them. Then we'll, then, we'll be, then we'll be set. Okay, so what I want to do is I want to set the scene uh, of where we're going to be talking about today in Luke 5, 1 through... 11. We're going to start with 1 through 3. It says, Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats laying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them 
and they were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began to teach, began teaching the people from the boat. So let's set the setting. You have Jesus, crowd of people coming around him. Jesus is by a lake. Fishermen just came in from, we'll learn later, a long night of fishing with no reward. Jesus just hops in a dude's boat, doesn't know the guy personally, and is like, hey, push out a little bit so I can talk to these people. Right? That's the setting that, that we're currently at. And so Simon has two choices to make, to do it or not to do it. Right? Those are his two options. And so when he sets out, initially, he had an expectation. I'll set out a little bit. This man will talk to people, and then I'll go back in. You know, maybe a half hour thing, and then we'll be good. Right? We're going to learn that he was very, very wrong. But I want to pay attention to three groups of people. You have the crowd. You had Jesus. And you had the group of fishermen. Each of those three people had different expectations of what that meeting, what that time was going to be like. The crowd was coming to hear a good story. Jesus knew why he was there. Simon thought he was just helping out some guy. Didn't expect a whole lot after that. So now when we move into verses 4 and 5, we get to what, what I'm, I consider this to be the first, the, the first big miracle that Jesus does around the disciples, right? So verses four and five, it says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. And so here, Jesus gets done talking. This is where I think Simon's expectation immediately gets broken. It's not just, hey, let me talk to these people. Now I want to use your boat and show you something cool. And so a lot of times when this section of scripture is talked about, people bring to note that Simon is a master fisherman. Jesus is a carpenter. Carpenters generally don't know more about fishing than a fisherman does. And so, as we know, Simon was a, a hard-headed individual and a stubborn individual. And so Jesus tells him, hey, go out and drop your nets. Cool, you've been out all night. You didn't catch anything, but do this. Simon's response is really the best part of this statement. He says, master. Where before... That's not alluded to that Simon knew who this guy was. And if you le read the, the other entries in the Gospels about this section, this is the first time Jesus met Simon. And so for Simon to be like, Master, I will do what you say, after giving a rebuttal, is phenomenal. He allowed that his expectation of this being just a one-time short-term short -term deal becomes something greater. He had an openness to the idea of his expectation being wrong. Thus starts the journey of Simon. 
And so here is, here is the miracle. We get it in verses 6 to 8. It says, When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. So here we go. Simon spent all night fishing with his buddies, caught nothing. They did what Jesus said. They caught so much fish that not only his boat sank, but the other person's boat started to sink. That's a lot of fish. And that greatly opened Simon's eyes. A cool cross-reference for this is Simon often is seen sinking in water, right? We talked a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago, about focusing on Jesus. And when Peter was walking on water, he started to sink because he had lost focus. Here, while sinking, he kept focus on who Jesus was because Jesus showed him what he was capable of. When we get to verse 8, as their boats are sinking, as fish are flopping everywhere, it doesn't say that when they got back to shore, Simon fell to his knees where it was a safe environment. While sinking, he fell. And then this is where Simon learned his true position with Jesus. He says, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. This is something that when I first became a Christian, I didn't realize would be something that happened. But the closer I get to God, the more sinful of a person I realize I am. Therefore, learning how bad of a person I was slash am. And I think that's an expectation that we have that when we follow Jesus, that we just become this good sheep, this, this clean person. And that's not true. It's not that a, a switch goes on in our mind and we throw away all the thinking of the world and that we all of a sudden become the most righteous person. But yet that's our expectation. I hear from a lot of people, especially doing student ministry or campus ministry, that they stop following God because nothing changed. They stopped following God because they expected to have this one-way conversation with God, but that didn't happen. Or they expected their life to get so much better because they were down in the dumps. Then they came to Christ, but their life was still in the dumps. It's because we have this, this expectation that as soon as we make that choice, everything's gold. But here we see Simon shows the reality of that is he came to know who Jesus was and then realized how terrible of a person he was. But it put him in a place of humility. And so for me, what this showed is that my expectation in following Jesus is not that I will become an angel or that I will get into heaven or that 
any of that high glory stuff that a lot of mainstream focuses on, but it's right here. That my expectation in following Jesus is I'm going to be put in my place, on my knees, face down, in a sinking boat. I'm going to be humbled to a point where the surroundings around me don't matter, just that I know where I stand with Christ. And that's powerful to think about. Because in today's day and age, we get so caught up in the world and what's going on around us and the instability of life that we think we need to focus on it. Or as Steve mentioned a couple weeks ago, God helps those that help themselves. That statement and how untrue it is. So now let's see how this finish plays out, finishes playing out. So as we read 9 through 11, it says, For amazement had seized him and hauled his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear, from now on you will be catching men. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So I want to break this into two parts. One is verses 9 and 10. Because in verse 9, we see more, more description of what happened with Simon. He was in awe, amazement. He had that moment that made him realize that Jesus is something powerful. And then it's because of Simon's realization that James and John became to realize it as well. And so this idea of our faith being able to, to save or show who Jesus is to other people is one that is, I think, greatly overlooked. So later in this chapter, we see about the guy and his buddies on the mat, and they claw through a roof, lower him down, and he gets healed because of their faith. And Jesus makes that statement. And there's a couple times throughout Scripture where it's the faith of somebody else that is able to save other people. One of the big ones is we see in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul's chapter on marriage, is that a husband or wife that is a believer, their faith can save their partner. But I think it comes with that part in verse 9 where it says, because of Simon's amazement at who Jesus was. That sense of awe, that realization of Simon now being the leader of this group of fishermen, bowing and giving allegiance to this other guy, they were like, if he's willing to do it, then I'm willing to do it. And so this is, I think, the first example that we see of discipleship in Jesus' ministry. Jesus started with one, with Peter. 
did a work in Peter's life so great that Peter's reaction then brought two more in. That's powerful to think about. That it's, it, it could be that easy, right? But so then we get to the part that I think is the hardest for all of us. Is right before verse 11, it says, Do not fear, from now on you will be catching men. And then 11, it says, When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Right? So let's start with the leaving everything, because that's the easier one to talk about. A lot of times in, in today's Christianity, we get told that if we follow Jesus, we can have everything. Not that we will lose everything. And that's backwards. The everything that we think we should have should be Jesus, not the things of the world. That, but our expectation is because of you know, good old prosperity speak is that you can have all the money you want. You can have the life that you want. You can live the American dream if you subscribe to Jesus's newsletter. And that's not the case. And that's why our expectation gets squashed so hard because our expectation is built on a lie. But here... Peter, James, and John, their expectation was built on a truth of if I leave everything and I have Jesus, that's all I need. And that's it. And so for them back in this time, being a fisherman was their livelihood. In today's day and age, that's like leaving a full-time job to go walk across America and talk to people about who Jesus is. I think it's safe to say that nobody in this room would just up one day and do that. Even myself right now, I just had a, a conversation with Ray yesterday where stability is a big factor of my decisions that I currently make in life. Is that wrong? I don't think so fully, but if it's the main driving situation or thought, then yes. Because then that shows my lack of faith or my lack in trust in following who Jesus is and who Jesus wants to be in my life. So now, the hard part. Do not fear, from now on you will be catching men. The first call, or the first draft, we'll say, of the Great Commission is you have fished for fish far too long, now catch men. This idea has been lost over the years, or has been, all the life of it has been sapped from overusage or misusage. Our expectation of following Jesus should be this. If I follow Jesus, I know I need to fish for people. That's it. We live in a day and age where being undecided has now become a major at colleges. Everyone comes in never knowing what they want to do, never knowing what their purpose is. 
It's right here. If we claim Jesus as our Lord, this is our purpose. Our expectation of following Jesus is right there. I'm a fisherman. I'll tell you, I'm a terrible fisher of of fish. I don't have the patience. And fly fishing, don't even get me started. But fishing for people, I have come to love and enjoy because it's a logic puzzle. I shared the thanksgiving of playing Dungeons and Dragons is probably in some people's mind the last place God will ever set foot. It's a bunch of nerds talking about casting spells and rolling dice. And yet, by spending time and loving on those people, now God has become part of that situation. We overcomplicate things when it comes to fishing for people. Simon shows us the basics. If I act in amazement of who Jesus is, those around me will follow. And it's that simple. And so my challenge for us today is that we will take the difference of expectations versus truths of who Jesus was last week and make those part of the message this week of what is my expectation of following Jesus? Is my expectation of following Jesus grounded in the truth that we learned from Luke 4 last week and that we see Simon living out today? Or do I still have this lofty expectation that God is going to turn me into the greatest pop singer in the world? Probably not. And so I want to leave with the challenge of, of reviewing your expectation of what following Jesus looks like. I generally don't like to say compare yourself to somebody, but I would say take a moment out of your life and compare it to how Simon reacted. If a moment of your life doesn't have that level of amazement and awe-inspiring moment that Simon did just because Jesus made his boat sink, then there's an issue. And I think we all go through those times where we need to recalibrate who Jesus is for us personally. Would you pray with me? Father God, we pray to thank you for today. We thank you that you are a God that loves us so much that you make life easy to understand or to figure out. We just muddle it with all of our expectations of what could happen, all this gray area. And so God, my hope is that through, through the message today, that the Spirit spoke to all of us in, in relation to what our expectations of, of a life with you looks like versus truth. And God, my hope is that each of us honed in on an area where our expectation is a lie and that you want that to become a truth. So God, as we get ready to go to the table, I just ask that we would be able to keep that in mind and focus on who you truly are and what you truly desire for us. God, we thank you and we give you praise for everything. We do this in your son's name. Amen.